We're in Jeremiah 17 this afternoon. I'd like us to look at four um, verses uh, ultimately in this chapter, but let's read starting in verse number five. We'll read a couple of verses, we'll pray, and then we'll look at some thoughts um, here this afternoon. Uh, Jeremiah 17, starting in verse five, thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath, uh, yes, the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. I want us to look at a thought uh, that I've entitled the sermon, Don't Forget God. And uh, we'll look at four slash five things, four things, I guess, and then we'll, we'll conclude it with a fifth, fifth thing uh, this, this afternoon. Lord, thank you for letting us come back this afternoon. Thank you for the good crowd this morning. Uh, it was good to see Gordon uh, back, and Lord, and, and others as well. And we just pray that you would help us now in this afternoon time. As God, as we look at just a few verses, I pray that you would help us to learn from them, grow from them. And Lord, uh, help us to remember you better because of your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget God. Uh, we're going to start in verse 1, then we're going to jump to verse 5, verse 7, verse 9, and verse 10. That's how we're going to look at this today. Starting in verse number 1, point number 1 is when sin becomes nature. When sin becomes... Now, you're going to say, wait a second, isn't sin natural as it is? Yeah, it is. Uh, but was thinking on, on the terms of Christianity, when you have a sin in your life that now has become what is part of your character... You are, um, the sin is part of your life. It has not gone away. It is not something you've gotten victory over. Maybe not something you've even tried to get victory over. Um, and that becomes a problem. Look in verse number one. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond. It is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars. Here in verse number one, we know that the issue that is mainly being covered in Jeremiah is idolatry the worshiping of gods that are not God. And we see here in verse number one, he, he uses the terminology God does, that the sin is written with a pen of iron, the point of a diamond, and it's graven upon the tables of their heart. It's imprinted on them. It has become their nature, their character. It has become the point now where the sin that is, that is plaguing society for the Jews is now this, in a sense, it is, it is what's normal them. It's no longer not normal. People would argue that America at one time, and I wasn't around for this, but America at one time was a more godly nation. And you might have to go back uh, dec decades to centuries uh, in order to see this, but uh, where the characteristic of America was more godly characteristic, maybe not obviously perfect, but a more godly characteristic. Now, if you were to ask uh, um, foreigners about America and what they think of America, you're probably not going to get godly as one of the first responses in most cases. There would still be some, who, depending on the Americans that they've met, uh, they might say that. But for the most part, if you're an outsider looking in at our country, you would not say that this country is a godly country or even a God-fearing country. And so the characteristic of our nation has changed. But, but more importantly than that, what is the characteristics of Christians in America today. Um, how would other people, outsiders, look at Christianity in America and think of them 
uh, there. Sadly, some would find uh, or view Christianity as money-hungry, needing money, wanting money, selling things at high prices, um, selling things and making money as much as they can and, and being concerned about money because some of the most famous or popular um, preachers that, that get the, the national view from people tend to make a lot of money. They have big houses and the nice fancy cars and security guards and different things like that. And when you see them, you don't see as much Christianity as you do just their lifestyle and the way that they're living. You see, um, when we look at yourself now, as opposed to looking at a national scale, look at yourself, what is your character? What is your characteristic? What are you known by? Are you known as grumpy? You can go through the seven dwarfs. Are you known as sleepy? Are you known as, I don't know, that's the only two I can remember. Uh, happy? Is there a happy? I don't know. Uh, you, how are you known? What is your characteristic? How do people look at you when, they, when someone says, hey, do you know Vince? If they ask my coworkers, what would be the first thing that they say about Vince? What would be the first thing that they say? With, you know, uh, and Lord willing, my coworkers, at least some of them will come in through the door someday. And what would they say about me? What is my characteristic? Am I someone who complains all the time? Is I someone who talks behind people's back all the time? Am I someone who works hard? Am I someone who, uh, who does a job well? Uh, you know, those kinds of things. Well, the people here, the nation uh, here, when God looks down at them, he says their sin is on the table of their hearts. It is part of them now. It is what they are. They are idolatrous. They are wicked they are looking somewhere else. And a result or the reasoning of why they've gotten to that point is because they forgot God. They forgot who God was. Their parents forgot God and didn't teach it to their children. They themselves have forgotten anything that they've learned about God. And now they have just committed to this idolatrous uh, worship that was over pretty much the entire nation. Number two. Number one is when sin becomes nature. Number two when man becomes the focus. Look in verse 5. We've already read it, but look at it again. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. That first part of the verse, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man. The focus being on man as Savior, not sin Savior, but in their life Savior. Man as the one that can fix the problems. Man as the one that can lead with wisdom. Man as the one that can uh, help everything when in reality God's the only one that can. And we're coming up on elections. If you've not already voted, hopefully you will soon. We're coming up on elections and sadly there are many Christians today that say, boy, if this person doesn't get elected, we're in for it. Well, what you're also saying then is that if this person does get elected, everything will be fine. And guess what? It won't be. As a matter of fact, our country may be worse off. I'm not sure. The point is, is if our trust and our faith and our confidence is in a man or in a group of people, where our confidence is in the wrong place. Our confidence has to be in God and in God alone. Man cannot be the focus. God must be the focus. And that brings up the next point in verse number 7. Um, that we forget God and man becomes our focus, but God needs to be our hope. In verse 7, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. At the end of verse 5, it says not only the one that, that trusteth in man, but their heart departeth from the Lord. It's that forgetting of God. The only way that we remember God is when God is our hope. 
Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. If our hope is in man, if our hope, our confidence, our faith is that this group of people, this political party, this um, uh, authoritative branch of the government, uh, this pastor, which I know you don't have that problem, but this, uh, this person, this is the only thing that we can know that everything's going to be okay is if they have some sort of control. God doesn't need, God never has needed a man or a woman to be in a position for God to get what he wants. God places people into authority where he wants them to be. He did it with Pharaoh. He did it with Nero. He did it with President Reagan. He did it with President Clinton. He did it with anybody. You name the authority figure, God's the one who placed them where they were. And he didn't place them there because they were godly. He placed them there because it would fulfill his purpose. Our confidence cannot be in man. Confidence cannot be in our neighbor to vote in a certain person. Our confidence cannot be in um, anything other than God. I can keep saying things, but at the end of it, it all comes back to that. God needs to be our hope. God needs to be our focus. God needs to be our priority. God needs to be the one that we're going to. And we're saying, God, no matter who wins the election, my faith is in you, my confidence is in you, and, and my prayer is to you for our country and for our state. Our hope is in God. Don't forget God, or else sin will become nature, our, our character. Don't forget God, or else man will become our focus. Don't forget God, and that will only work if you keep God as our hope. Don't forget God when feelings become the guide. Look in verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked, who can know it? Have you ever heard the phrase, I know that you have, follow your heart? Let me tell you something, don't follow your heart. God says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The greatest example I heard using this verse was the GPS. When you're following your GPS, if you've followed it enough times, you understand it's good and it's helpful, but you still have to keep your eye on the road and read the street sign. Because sometimes the GPS will say, turn left, and you actually need to go another 200 feet before you turn left. Sometimes the GPS will say, you've arrived, and you go, this is not where I'm supposed to be. It took me to the wrong place. In my work, I have an app that uh, gives me my route for the day. My route's all laid out for me in the day. And I click on the stop that I'm going to, and I click on the directions button, and it goes to my GPS on my phone and takes me to the, the address that is in the system for that house. There have been many a times where I arrive at my so-called destination, and I think, I don't think I'm supposed to be treating a wide open field. I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to be treating a house. And I look back, and maybe it's uh, I'm at that road uh, instead of lane or, or a street instead of road or whatever. It is just one small little thing that wasn't put into the system correctly, and it's taken me to the wrong place. Or I'm in a new development, and the GPS hasn't been updated yet to the point where it knows where that house is. And so it takes me to the end of the street 
as opposed to the house that I'm supposed to be at on the street, something to that effect. See, your heart can sometimes be like a GPS. It can lead you, it can take you a, a, a positive direction towards the right direction or whatever, but at the end of the day, your confidence has to be in what you're seeing with your own eyes uh, when you're following your GPS, that the street name lines up with what the GPS is telling you the street is that you're turning on. You see, the heart is deceitful. It can lead you the wrong direction. It can take you to the wrong place. The motive might be fine, but it still could take you to the wrong place. How many people do you know that want to do good by people, but their good is still not going to help someone's eternal, eternal destination? You see, our heart can lead us incorrectly. Sometimes our heart gets passionate uh, about something, and so it causes us to go away from certain people that God says, but I want you to talk to them. But I need you to love them. I need you to share the gospel with them. But sometimes our heart leads us in a uh, direction that we just, you know, I want to go here. You know what? If I could move to Hawaii, I think I would. Um, I've never been there. I hear it's nice. Um, but uh, I need to go visit so I could find out if the Lord ever calls me to Hawaii, what I'm getting into. But uh, nonetheless, um, you know, my heart says I want to go somewhere tropical. But God says, I want you where you're at. The heart can be deceitful. At the end of the day, our heart is wicked. We were born with this heart, unless you've had a transplant. Uh, you were born with this heart. It's naturally, uh, you can't transplant the heart that we're talking about, by the way. Uh, this is a little joke, but uh, the heart, you're born with that. And it's naturally wicked. It's naturally sinful. It's naturally prideful. You can't follow your heart. You have to follow God. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. We forget God and, and suddenly sin becomes our character. We forget God and man becomes our focus. When God is our hope is the one way that we can avoid forgetting God. And we forget God when feelings become our guide, when we're following our heart, so to say, instead of following God's wisdom, God's direction. We've met people, missionaries, that we really liked. We've met people and missionaries that we wanted to be a part of and support. And the Lord just didn't see fit to do so at that time. You could say, well, isn't it good to support missionaries? Yes, it is. Are they good people? Most of them. Um, what's wrong with supporting them? Well, God hasn't provided that, that cause yet. And so we don't do it. We could give to the wrong people and it could hurt our ministry that God has desired for us. And those are examples of good things that you can do. Obviously your heart can lead you to many bad things as well. It can lead you to, to wrong standards in your life, wrong morals in your life, wrong decisions in your life. You think about um, love. Um, your heart can say, I want to be with this person for the rest of my life. And God can be saying, no, you don't. Not only you don't, I don't want you to. I've heard the argument, what right do you have or does God have to tell me who I can love and who I can't? God has every right. He's your creator. And we, we get on this feelings train. I feel like I love feel like I like, I feel like I want, 
God says that doesn't matter. Don't let your feelings become your guide. Let God guide and direct you. And then, lastly, in verse number 10, the Bible says, I, the Lord, search the heart, I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. You see, God knows where your hope is. God knows if you've forgotten him. God knows if you're still trusting in him. And he says here, I search the heart and I try the reins, understanding what they believe, what's guiding them, what's leading them. And he says, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. This, again, is a positive verse if you're being obedient to God. God searches the heart. He tries the reins. He sees you're following God. Your hope is in God. And so he gives according uh, to your ways and to the fruit of your doings. He blesses. But if he searches the heart and tries the reins and understands that what you're doing, the actions you're doing, the motives behind your actions, the, uh, what is guiding you, it is wrong, then he's going to give to you according to your ways and according to your doings. It's not ironic, or maybe it is. It's not. I don't know. It's not happenstance that sinful actions have some pretty rough consequences. There are diseases in this world that you only get following sinful action. And then, of course, that can get spread to other people in different ways. But you sit there and you, you can look at it and you can say, God says that this is wrong and that this is evil and that he hates it. Yet when people commit that sin, now they are stuck with a lifelong consequence. What's according to their doings? Not every sin has the consequence of a disease, obviously. But you think of some sins that lead to addictions. That's a hard, hard thing to overcome. I've met people who've come out of addiction once they were saved, and it happened basically overnight. They got saved and everything changed. I've met other people who got saved, and so their desire was different. Their desire was to get clean, but it took them some time, and a lot of hard work, and a lot of faithful leaning on Jesus. Just as the other people who changed overnight, they didn't change their faithfulness either. They stayed faithful to the Lord also. But you see, there's, there's the consequence for the sin according to your actions what you receive. We've mentioned it, but you talk about the person who follows God and, and, and as they're following God, there's, there doesn't seem to be that earthly reward. There are people who have faithfully served Jesus Christ, missionaries who have faithfully served Christ in a, in a space that you've never heard of before. And you've never heard of that missionary before. If they were to walk into this door, you wouldn't know them from Adam. They're not going to get a pat on the back from you or from me. Yet they faithfully stay with it because their hope is in God and they understand the Lord searches my heart. He tries my reins and he gives according 
to my actions, according to my doings. Don't forget God. Don't forget what you're supposed to be living for. Don't forget what your purpose is supposed to be in life as it relates to the Lord. It's hard to explain to folks who haven't seen that blessing from God yet. I hope that you all have. But it's hard to explain until you experience it yourself how good it feels to know that God saw and God rewarded and God blessed even though no one else had any idea what you were doing. We all like to be thanked. We all like to be appreciated. That's natural. In anybody. Some people don't want to be stood up in front of the group and applauded, but they appreciate when someone says, hey, thank you. Hey, great job. Hey, keep that up. It's nice to be noticed. It's nice to, to know that what we're doing is being noticed by someone else is truly impacting someone else. But I will tell you, don't forget God. God searches your heart and he knows your, uh, your reins. He tries what's guiding you. And with that comes great blessing if you obey God, if you follow him, and if you do uh, what is right. The rest of the chapter, and we're not going to look through it today, but uh, there's a lot of pleading for mercy. There's a lot of uh, more talk about sin that's going on within the nation uh, throughout the rest of the chapter, really through verse 18, talks a lot about that. Um, and, and a lot of different things going on with the nation. But I'll tell you, we have to understand that what we're doing, the, what we're supposed to be doing, we're supposed to be doing it for God. Our confidence cannot be in the outcome of an election. Listen, when it comes to being an American, the outcome of the election is crucial. I'll admit that. When it comes to being a Christian, the outcome of the election is, it is what it is. And God's going to take care of us no matter what. You have to determine, what are you first? Are you an American or are you a Christian? Yes, you can be a Christian American. Yes, there are many things that line up between patriotism and Christianity. I'm not saying you can't be patriotic. I'm not saying you can't be um, um, stand strong on certain topics and issues within our country. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is don't lose focus. Remember God. Depend on God. Trust God. God can handle no matter what person wins the election. I had some adjectives I was going to use, but I chose to be more respectful. What person wins the election? God will be not surprised, and God will be just fine in handling it all. Remember God. Don't forget God. When you do, sin will become natural, become character. When you do, man will become the focus. When you do, feelings will become the guide, but understand when God is our hope that uh, we won't forget God and understand that God knows where your hope is. He can see your heart. He knows uh, um, whether or not your heart truly is on Him or you're dependent on other things. It's, it's, man, we're in a crazy time in our country and some of you have seen more years than I have and you've seen other, other instances throughout history. I, I like to listen to history stuff and, and I've learned our country's been pretty crazy for a while now, but don't get caught up in the, if this person wins or if this person doesn't win, it's all just going to blow up in our face. God's got it. Trust in Him. Depend on Him. Seek Him for guidance. Vote as God tells you to vote. Do as God tells you to do. And live confidently 
that God is doing what is right. And from there, you'll be at peace. You won't be worried. You won't be scared. Um, you, you might still be concerned, but you're not going to be uh, stressing out about it, and things like that. Just keep praying. Keep trusting. God will take care of it. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for the fact that we know that no matter what happens in this world, we have no control, but you do. You have all the control. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to um, live confidently in you, Lord, that we would not forget who you are and what you're capable of. And, God, even if we don't think you're in control, you still are. God, I just pray that we would be living biblically, confident, faithfully, in you. God, help us, give us the strength that we need to do that. Lord, help us to take all of our concerns, all of our worries, all of our cares, and give them to you. God, help us to live a peaceable life, that we would be able to live in a way that shows our confidence in you with those around us. So Lord, as we seek for your help today, we look forward to seeing how you're going to take care of us this week and provide for the needs that we have. Lord, we pray for Mark uh, Tolson and the church, Victory Baptist in Taiwan. Lord, we pray that you'd provide for the needs that they have and provide this uh, financial need uh, so that they can purchase a, um, a permanent uh, worship place. And God, how exciting it is. I know especially for a missionary who was in China for so long and, and you couldn't really do that without the government figuring out what you were doing. Lord, what a blessing it is now for this opportunity for them. So I pray that you'd continue to provide and protect and take care of the Tolsons, as well as the church now that they're serving in, that they started. And God, help us to be an encouragement to them um, moving forward as well. Lord, take care of us this week. Provide, protect, and uh, God will give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll be back Wednesday night at 7. If you can come, I hope that you will. If you can't be here, let us know. We'll be happy to send you the Zoom uh, invite. And uh, we'll make sure that's working for Wednesday night, even though it didn't work uh, for us uh, this morning. We'll get it taken care of. But uh, nonetheless, good to see you today. Thank you all so much for being here. If you need anything, let us know. Let's be dismissed.